Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Face to Face. This is a show about change and about what's next. It's a show that wants to ask questions, peel back the layers of our average everyday experience, and go beyond scratching the surface. We interview amazing people with incredible ideas and stories who have done wild, weird, and wonderful things. Remember that imagination shared create collaboration, and collaboration creates community, and community inspires social change. I'm David Peck, and this is Face to Face. So my next interview is with Laura McNiven. She is the co-founder and director of clinic services at Springboard Clinic. You can check them out, springboardclinic.com. Make sure that you do. Uh, we, we have a, um, a conversation here that, that's about ADHD. It's, it's kind of sensitive. Uh, it is a, uh, at times, difficult conversation, but it's one that's uh, so uh, fundamentally important for so many reasons, and Laura's going to get into that. We touch on... Um, you know, issues around uh, trouble focusing and mental health and procrastination, hyperactivity and, and safety and, and, and neurotransmitters. We get into a little bit of that uh, talk around our brain and the prefrontal, frontal, whoa, can't even pronounce it, the prefrontal cortex and how that affects how we do what we do and how does our brain actually, actually in fact, work. We talk about self-awareness and trust. We talk about our story and blockers and relationship building and 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 how important community is and and about creative thinkers and and and, and just creativity and how that has an impact and how that uh, plays a role uh, in in healing and in uh, coming together to to try to understand this thing called ADHD in a more you know, meaningful and substantive way. Laura and I have, uh, uh, I think, a pretty fun and interesting conversation uh, about something that's clearly uh, very important and uh, something that you're going to want to uh, hear more about. Don't forget to check them out, springboardclinic.com. And uh, don't forget, face-to-facelive.ca for a whole host of uh, other interviews. We're coming up, uh, or, or maybe we're just uh, beyond now, uh, TIFF, uh, 2019. So many interviews to choose from, starting to focus more and more on documentary film. If you'd like to learn more about the work that I do, you can do that at davidpecklive.com. You can find out about my writing and my public speaking. If you'd like to advertise on Face to Face, by the way, please do reach out. We would be happy to set something up for you, whether it's a banner ad on the website or maybe it's uh, actually some shout outs during our interviews. We are growing all the time. We have a significant social media reach. Check us out online. 
And don't forget to rabble.ca for more information about other writers, other podcasters. And Rabble is, uh, is really about news for the rest of us, not only their tagline, but it's also the way uh, they do what they do. Uh, also, if if you don't, uh, oh, Patreon, don't forget, patreon.com. You can get behind face to face and support us there on a monthly basis. And if you can't do that financially, I get it. Maybe you could leave uh, a review for us on uh, iTunes or Spotify and sign up for our newsletter. Coming right up, Laura McNiven from the Springboard Clinic talking about ADHD and how it has an impact on the way we live our lives. Well, welcome to Face to Face. We are joined by another very special guest here today. That's one beautiful thing about Face to Face. We have a lot of special guests. Uh, Laura McNiven is here to chat about uh, uh, her new book um, or manual. Maybe she's going to help us with that. May we have your attention, please. Uh, Laura, thanks for your time today. Thank you for having me. So how about we clear that one up right out of the get- <laughs> gate? Is it, is it a workbook? Is this a book? It's certainly not fiction. Tell, tell us a little bit more. Yeah, well, I liked when you called it manual. It felt, you know, very important. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we get, we're calling it a workbook, um, and it's it's really a book about attention issues, about ADHD, that is in small bite-sized pieces, that has characters, that has activities, and that takes you through a journey um, when you have attention issues of kind of coming to terms with that. So we'll probably talk a little bit more in detail in our conversation, but a workbook, it's not too, too lengthy. It's pretty fun. It has a light element to it as well. Although obviously also has some severity to it in dealing with mental health. But, um, I would say workbook would be your, your proper term. So that's interesting. So you raised mental health and that's somewhere I really wanted to go because this whole notion of attention and, and ADHD and so on, uh, you know, and, and how it's connected to uh, mental health issues of, of a particular sort. I'd, I'd love to hear more about that. But before we go there, tell, tell me a bit about the Springboard Clinic as well and how it's connected to this project and maybe how it sort of acted as a catalyst to, to move this one forward. Mm-hmm. So the Springboard Clinic is is and was my first baby. Um, my mom and my best friend and I actually opened it almost 10 years ago. And the vision was pretty straightforward, although I think anyone who started their own business knows that it goes through many iterations right. and <laughs> evolutions. Um, but we wanted to, to create a place that firstly was hopeful and strengths-based. So we wanted to deal with attention issues, ADHD, learning issues, anxiety, depression, some of those um, labels, but we wanted to do it in a place that said, you know what, we believe you're gonna get better and we're here to learn about you first and foremost. And, And absolutely, if there's a label that's part of that, then we think that will help you understand you better. We also wanted to see people of all ages. So we didn't want to just see children and then tell their parents, oh, you have to go to a different clinic. We wanted to say we're here to sort of see you no matter where you are in that lifespan journey. And why ADHD specifically is because we have a lot of ADHD in our family. Mm. Um, and I'm happy to chat more about that if it, if it comes up. But when you've come through life and been through the experience of having troubles focusing and regulating your focus, um, you, you, you get this neat experience of looking at life in a, in a certain way. And we wanted it to be a place that was really safe, uh, for individuals with attention issues to, to go through that journey. So we now have 
was three of us at the beginning. There's now 25 employees, uh, depending wow. on the maternity, maternity leave. So sometimes a little more, a little less. Um, and it's a really special place. Uh, we feel passionate about what we do and work hard to build a culture um, where we see ADHD in a, in a really positive space. It's interesting, you know, you made the comment about maternity leave, and I'm pretty sure when <laughs> I flip through your team, is there only one guy working to, with you guys? This is, this is <laughs> the, the gender disparity is something you guys don't suffer from, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, we have two now. Yeah, oh, that's two, funny. Two male psychiatrists. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, it looks like we're sort of a, a, a female colony, but we really don't get a lot of applicants that are male <laughs> so we, we are not prejudiced at all um but we do love our guys that are on the team and you know if anyone out there is wondering about coming joining the team and they're a guy please apply we would uh we would love to make it more equal <laughs> so 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 help me out i know a little bit about it my wife elizabeth she's a teacher um every now and then you know somebody will will will, will be talking about it you'll be at a dinner party you you will you'll read an article ADHD. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's it seems to be so much more uh, prevalent in, in in the culture and in the conversation than it was. Well, you could help me out here, but even ten years ago, and and my f brother, for, former former principal, I would I would hear it from him. And so so I don't know. Can can you talk to me? Because you talked about attention sort of disorder. I mean, I would almost say I kind of fall into that to some degree. Mm -hmm but have never been, certainly never been diagnosed and, and, and might smile if I said, oh, gee, I think I suffer from a little ADHD. I wonder to what degree I'm, I'm, I'm way off base or, or, or actually maybe kind of speaking to, to the issue really at hand. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, so I think there's a few things in there which I'd love to address. I think starting with the definition of ADHD. So in general, the way people have seen ADHD, whether in the media or sort of layman's terms, people chatting about it, it gets joked around a lot, about mm -hmm. a lot. It's kind of this this word for I'm having trouble focusing, like a uh, squirrel, you know, there's all these kind right, of right. jokes about ADHD. And I think the, one of the most meaningful parts of, of when we started Springboard and started to really ask ourselves that question, what is ADHD? We wanted to, to define it in a way that was different than just the symptoms the person is experiencing. So bear with me for a second. Mm -hmm. But instead of just saying, I have inattention, hyperactivity, and impulsivity, and I struggle with those more than the normal person, we really started asking the question, well, why? And that became really interesting personally for me because I had always have, had troubles getting things done on time, which hmm. which we can we can explore more after. But... The, the, when you're told by a physician or um, by an expert that you have this many symptoms of ADHD, you really hear all the things you can't do. Mm. So it's like, mm -hmm. now I can't focus, I can't pay attention, I can't control my impulses. And I'm not really sure what you're supposed to do with that. So you get those kind of words like you're lazy, you procrastinate, you never get things done, you're, you know, you're, if you applied yourself, you'd be better. And you get the, all this kind of negative dialogue. And when we dug in a little bit deeper and when you start to look at, well, how do we treat ADHD? What's the difference of a brain that has ADHD or does not? You get to a place where you can get a really amazing new perspective. Because when somebody has ADHD, yes, they struggle with those things in different amounts depending on the person. But more importantly, what's happening in the brain is that they're getting an imbalance of neurotransmitters hmm. to the prefrontal cortex. So the prefrontal cortex is at the front of your brain. It's in charge of starting tasks, 
staying on tasks, blocking out distractions, regulating emotions, and finishing tasks to completion. So if somebody is having a difficult time regulating all of those pieces of your executive functioning, in our day-to-day society, you're going to have a tough time. But people with ADHD, it's not that that part of the brain doesn't work. It's that it gets a burst of neurotransmitters and then a lull. So people with ADHD have trouble regulating these symptoms and focus rather than they just, you know, are just a lost cause. (laughs) So so we started to dig into this kind of definition of saying it's so much more empowering to learn about ADHD through the context of my brain being different and we can do different things to treat it. And then you start to ask the question that you kind of came to, which was, doesn't everybody have that? Or at least I think I might have that. Mm-hmm. And the, and it really is on a spectrum. Right. So you'd have sort of, everybody's looking for pretty quick fixes in terms of information nowadays. You know, we're, we're on our phones, we're grabbing, our headlines are getting shorter, our news stories are getting faster. Everything is kind of coming at you. But when you, and so you could say that everybody's attention span is probably getting a little shorter. But then those with ADHD, they're struggling with this imbalance that's actually impacting their life in a way that's impairing. So they're really not reaching their potential at home life or at school or in different contexts. So how might it, how might it actually play out in, in, in my life or in my son's life uh, if I'm diagnosed with ADHD, knowing that it is on a spectrum? I mean, is this something as simple as is not attending to a project that's due on Friday or an email that needs responding to before noon on Tuesday is, is, can it be as something as sort of simple as that? I mean, that could still be very complicated and could, could, could mean the difference between keeping your job, I suppose, and losing it or getting a passing grade and a failing grade. Those are serious things, but I'm just wondering at what level, how how deep this can go. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it can be as severe and debilitating as, you know, you're not able to function in class, you get kicked out of every school, you can't get any of your work done, you're unable to hold back your impulses, it's not safe to walk down the street with you as a child because you're, you know, impulsive running down the street, like it could be extremely on the the severe side of dangerous. And there have been some really dramatic stats that have come out actually quite recently um, around if it's untreated, if ADHD goes untreated in adulthood, higher risk of substance use, higher risk Mm. of divorce, higher risk of uh, motor vehicle accidents. So on on the, on the extreme side, and that's not necessarily my favorite part of the topic, but Mm -hmm. on, on the extreme side of things, it can be really dangerous and it can be severe and it can be, you know, trouble keeping a job and on disability and really, really difficult challenges. And Part of that is the secondary symptoms that come from the challenges that you're dealing with. So you, you know, you struggle with impulse control and then you feel badly about it and then you feel shameful and your self-esteem's low and then it kind of cycles on itself. So on the extreme side, I mean, it's, it can be very, very severe all the way to sort of mild that, you know, I struggle a little bit with getting my work done. I could probably benefit from maybe some coaching or learn learning a little bit more about what I'm passionate about or getting some better skills in time management. So, I mean, you know, one way that would be interesting to, to, to sort of explain it is to think about depression. Right. So depression 20 years ago, people did not understand, you know, there was, or maybe it's not 20 years, but a while, 
some some time ago, it used to be that people didn't believe in depression. Like physical health issues were the sort of more talked about issue. If you didn't get out of bed because of depression, it was really like looked down upon and misunderstood. Sure, you you were you were lazy or come on, stiff upper lip, like you know, get get exactly. your act get your act together, all that stuff. Now depression's well understood. I mean, ish. We still have a long way to go in mental health and stigma, but but much more people understand. Well, ADHD, I think, is kind of on the same like journey of mm. it's kind of been joked about. Oh, it's only kids. Oh, it's it's sort of you know everybody has that to learning to saying no. When you have an actual diagnosis of ADHD, it's impacting your life in multiple contexts. But. I like to think about it on a spectrum because I think it's really helpful to say, hey, I struggle with some of that. And when we created this book, we we certainly wrote it for adults with attention issues and ADHD, but we hope that it will be relevant for people in general to grab parts of it because I think learning about how your brain works and what things get you motivated or focused or keep you on track, I think a lot of it, sh we hope, will be relevant to to sort of a general audience as well. Yeah, and this, I mean, this book is really, I, I, I want to ask you about the, there's a, there's lots of exercises in the book and, and some of them I understand and some of them I don't, but I, I love the way you've put the book together, by the way, it actually looks, it looks fun. Uh, it looks like, Thank you. yeah, it really does. <laughs> but, but I want to talk a little bit about, uh, definitely have a specific question about you just about, about diagnoses and it, it, is it going undiagnosed? And maybe we can get that to in a second. Mm -hmm. But this idea of um, my philosophy, my philosophy about my own ADHD, and you, mm -hmm. you you talk about how how important it is to understand that. And and at some point, I think it was either in the workbook or on your website where I saw this phrase without jo judgment and hope. And I wonder if that's connected sort of to this idea of you know my philosophy about my ADHD. It's about worldview. It's about being proactive. Mm -hmm. It's about stepping into it, I think. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I think I was speaking with Anne. So my, I have a co-author who wrote this with me. Who's, her name is Anne Bailey, and she's a clinical psychologist. And it's interesting. So I come from the – I'm going to digress, but I'm going to come back to it. Yeah, no, good, I good. <laughs> I'm, I come from the sort of experience of having attention issues myself. So I grew up um, with the sort of dialogue of – you know, report card saying uh, if she applied herself, she would do better. Um, I was an enthusiastic, like energetic, pleasing kid, but I kept getting sort of this feedback. Like if she tried harder, she would do better. And right. I, I never really understood it. And so, and I, my parents were both physicians. So I grew up in a family where academics were, were a high priority. And, and yet there was always this kind of peace that I was like, I, I don't know why I don't, why I procrastinate, why I can't get things done. And, you know, I went through this kind of journey of never understanding what that was all about. It didn't match. Um, and I think that's a lot of people that describe having, you know, attention, whether it's ADHD or attention issues or some level of issue in this area is that there's just sort of this missing piece you can't quite put your finger on. And so when you don't know why you're struggling, it's very hard to fix, right? Mm -hmm. So you, you know, am I lazy? Am I, why, what? I don't know why. And you just put so much blame on yourself. Well, it you could be, and I, and I think Laura it would become so <laughs> sort of self, so self perpetuating, right? I mean, the whole, the, the, the spiral downwards would, would come quickly. It seems to me. Absolutely. And so, so to, to, to get, when you get to a place where you can say, Oh, I have attention issues. This is how my brain works. These are the workarounds I need to do. This is what I struggle with. This is like, 
you know, what I, what I can be vulnerable about when you get to a place where you can deeply, um, look at the way your brain works. And again, I think this can apply beyond ADHD, but just in general thinking what, how does my brain work? When does it shut down? When does it wake up? And when you have ADHD, it kind of happens like more dramatically than the normal brain. <laughs> um, so it, was, it wasn't until my 20s and 30s where I started to say, oh, I have attention issues. This is why I was sprinting my essays to the <laughs> to the last minute before it was due. This is, and, and I'm not talking doing that once. I'm talking doing that every time. That this is why I'm so defensive and and hurt on myself when these kinds of situations happen. And so by, by becoming deeply self-aware, and I guess to come back to your question around the philosophy of ADHD, knowing what, how your brain works, knowing what your attention issues look like, what fires you up, what, what makes it really hard for you to do anything. And you feel like your brain is like seizing in the moment, learning all of that stuff and then being willing to apologize when you make mistakes, ask for help when you need it, laugh when it's funny, come to terms and make this sort of philosophical viewpoint around the way your brain works. And I imagine that that's the same for many other mental health issues or gender issues or other, other things that people go through, sort of get into a place where you can sort of own it deeply and then create the life around you that that suits the way you are. So you you would you you are not a determinist. I mean, this is about taking hold of your life and 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 almost uh, and the I I want to use the word responsibility, but that almost sounds kind of judgmental and pejorative. It's not meant to. It's just this is about getting a diagnosis, um, um, being proactive and stepping into it and making like like the word workbook says it talks about emotional impacts and social impacts and and things as specific as meeting deadlines and so on this is about you know why, why um what sort of embracing life <laughs> is, is that too yeah. is that way too positive like no i mean i think sometimes we at the clinic tend to be almost over positive <laughs> right, like, we right. know what it is we're like right. you have ADHD. people are like oh no you're like no it's okay we know what to do right. so i mean i think that the biggest concern <clears throat> when you have a challenge like this is is not coming to terms with it so whether that means coming you know getting a diagnosis whether that means medication or not or coaching or therapy but but or all of those things but i think um yeah i mean i think there, there it's worth it's important to note that some people have much more severe um uh, symptoms but then also have had more challenges in their sort of upbringing or other factors that have made it even worse for them and so i want to be clear that you know some people's journey is like extremely um hard right i, I don't know mm -hmm. the other and, and other, traumatic all of those things so i think you know seeing it on a spectrum and being aware that there's extremely severe cases and those individuals really need a lot of support and they will you know need to dig deep and and you know it'll be it will be a long journey it's not an it's not an easy road Right. Yeah. And I'm not, not for a second am I suggesting that, uh, or, or I do, do I think the workbook does that, but what I love about it is, is that this is about kind of taking ownership and taking, well, taking the lead as you, yes. as, as you say, yes. as you say in the workbook. Yes. I, I do truly believe that. And I actually, I had an interesting chat with Anne, my co-author sort of after we wrote the book and I was, I was saying, you know, am I being too positive? I actually asked her that question. Am I, 
because she doesn't have ADHD at all <laughs> and she's a psychologist. So it's the perfect person for me to ask coming from the attention issues myself. I said, am I being too positive sometimes? Do you think, like, do you really think self-awareness can set people with ADHD free? Um, and, you know, she really felt the same way as, as I do. And we've worked with, you know, hundreds of people and at the clinic thousands and we see that the people that are willing to be honest, to be vulnerable, to dig deep around how their brain works, to avoid making excuses, to just really be willing to, to, to stare down who they are and, you know, where ADHD has changed them and where they can shift now that they have this new lens on life, you, you would not believe how um, incredible some of these stories are. You know, people that have gone through life and had no idea why all these things were happening to them and then realizing, oh, like my brain works differently and I'm struggling with these things. And when they're willing to face that and dig into all of that and come out the other side, um, I mean, it, it is the most amazing opportunity to get to be part of yeah i'd love to hear about how how important you think the the community is around mm. folks who have certainly just maybe received a, a a professional or official diagnosis and and who are actually you know trying to work through some of these issues because as you say the the journey journey is probably going to be quite long and, and quite challenging mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the community is is so crucial. And one of the sections in the book is really about fit the individual figuring out who is their community right. and who they want to trust with their story. And because the community is is essential. So I think let's if we take the individual saying that they're willing to take ownership and be honest and dig deep, that's a huge part of the journey. But then starting to realize what what is my having had like undiagnosed ADHD to this age what has been the impact on those around me that love me? Um, you know, what, what have, you know, how has this impacted their lives? Mm. An example is, is let's say that I'm working with, you know, a couple who has, uh, and the husband has ADHD, let's say, and he's late for his wife. Well, before kind of coming to terms with ADHD, his story would probably sound something like the traffic was bad and, you know, I got, this happened and this happened and sort of this whole journey around why he's late for the wife and the wife sort of is is waiting to hear sorry and this happens all the time kind of a feeling and so she feels like there's no apology he ends up sort of getting lost in his own journey and they sort of disconnect over time mm -hmm. so when you come to terms of di a diagnosis of adhd and being able to say sorry i'm late that that is a huge part of sort of building relationships and coming to terms with how to move forward um, so those kinds of examples over many years mean that your community can be kind of exhausted or frustrated or tired and sort of figuring out how to, to build a new community, a new space where there's less stigma so that they can become themselves. What, um, what's a blocker? I mean, you know, what's so interesting. I mean, I, as I ask you that question, I smile because, um, I think so much of what I've seen in the workbook, and by the way, congratulations, it, it, I, I, and, and it's available on Amazon, is it not? A quick shout out, right? Amazon.ca? <laughs> it is. Thank you. And it's a lot of work to figure out how to get it on Amazon, yeah. so thank you. <laughs> um, 
I I look I look at it and, it and it looks not and I don't want to use this again as as a throwaway term, but it really has this sort of uh, motivational self help kind of component built into it. I mean, there's some very good lessons here for everybody. It seems to me. Well, thank you. You know, it was interesting because I sent it to um, one of my best friends early on who does not have ADHD at all. And one of the first things she said is, oh, I love it. And I want to do all the exercises. <laughs> that's right. I thought, what? <laughs> I'm like, that's awesome. But I, I didn't exactly know that, that. So I think, I mean, I think that one of the things that happens, you, you mentioned that you talk about ADHD at cocktail parties. As soon as I tell anyone what I do for a living, <laughs> the topic becomes the brain and attention issues and ADHD for the rest of the evening. <laughs> right. I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, because I think people all resonate with, you know, some of these challenges and some of these frustrations. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, I hope that it is relevant for people beyond those that, that have ADHD, but also that it's relevant to those who know people with ADHD. So, you know, speaking about community, I think if there's a more understanding about ADHD and about how this impacts people, we can avoid so much of the hurt, mm. the shame, and, you know, the, the challenges that, that these people experience. You know, and, and, and maybe now's the time. I'd love to go back to that idea of blocker, too, because I think mm -hmm. it's so interesting as a metaphor for all of us, frankly, because I think we all suffer from that on a, mm -hmm. on, on a certain level. But the, that, that, that comment you made about shame, it just kind of went fairly deep. I mean, the, the guilt and the shame that I think so many of us carry around with us because of our upbringings or because of situations that we've gone through or unresolved broken relationships, dysfunction, et cetera, mental health issues. You know, I think it, I think it's pretty profound. And, and, I, and the, I mean, one thing I've learned, you know, I mean, I'm, I think I'm coming up on about 450 interviews with face to face and, and mm. I just, I feel so sort of uh, thrilled and blessed to, to have, to, to be able to meet people like you and have these conversations that, you know, as I often say to, to, to the, my listeners, you know, we're barely scratching the surface, but at least I've gone a little bit deeper than most. I just feel so sort of, it's, it's just wonderful to be able to walk through these doors, but I think it's, it's about empathy. And it's about, it's about trying to, I don't know, include others and embrace others and say, you know, like you just said, who's in my community and, 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 and isn't it kind of about healing of one kind or another? I think definitely. And I think, you know, there's a lot of conversation right now around our, what are, what's happening to our communities um, on a sort of societal level that, you know, people are more distanced and lonely and there's mm. more suicide and I mean, it, it's, it, you can see a pretty depressing side of it, right? That, that people are feeling distant. And so thinking about issues like shame and, and seeing opportunities for empathy. I mean, one of the things on a, a sort of a fun side of things is people with ADHD tend to think outside of the box and right. when sort of with the proper scaffolding and structure and, and, you know, self-work often do incredible things. I mean, there are a lot of people with ADHD doing amazing things. Um, the, the CEO of Shopify came out and, and shared that his story was ADHD like, and I don't know the exact story of his situation, but related, made it seem that he has ADHD um, on Twitter recently. And, you know, that's somebody who's changed the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, there's all these amazing stories of people doing amazing things with ADHD. So I think, you know, when we're able to help people harness their best selves, our mm -hmm. community gets better. And that's done through empathy and figuring out, well, what are you good at and what am I good at? And, 
how do we work together to sort of create a better society by, by sharing those skills um, and reducing the shame of what we're not good at. And I think we have to work as a group to, to do better at that. Um, I think we have to work at getting our school system to better integrate people that are exceptional learners that are, that learn differently because they probably have solutions in there that, that the, the sort of normal brain doesn't see. Is, is it, I mean, it sounds to me like we're in a better place than we were today. Organizations like Springborn don't exist. Workbooks like this weren't around 20 and 30 years ago. Teachers probably didn't have the training they have and so on and so on. Um, do we have a long way to go, would you say? Uh, is 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 there still a, a significant stigma attached to it? Is there a lack of understanding around it as far as you're concerned? I mean, I would say yes. Like, I think we have come a long way. I think there's pockets now and there's resources where you can go and, you know, there are amazing initiatives like Bell Let's Talk have, have, have come out. And, and there's there's amazing sort of examples of mental health becoming more to the forefront. And, you know, those stories of amazing teachers that really understand it. But I think as a, as a whole system, I think we can still do better. But I, but I think we're on the right track. <laughs> yeah. I think that we can continue to, to support each other and, and help figure out how to bring bring forward people's strengths and, and gifts and, and continue to have a system that allows those kinds of, those kinds of opportunities. But you also talked about blockers. And I think that's actually relevant in this conversation that we talk about blockers in the book and we use that term because it's a nice neutral language for when you get stuck. Um, and that can happen to anyone in, in any circumstance, but you're working on something and you kind of hit a blocker and you, you can't, you can't move forward. So maybe it's that you aren't able to get your, your homework done, or maybe it's that you have a huge project at work and you're struggling to get it done. Or maybe you, you want to ask a girl out and you, and you're blocked. It can, it can happen with any, any part of life and coming to terms with what stops you and doing the work to really understand what gets in the way of your goals is what the blockers kind of talk is all about. Even something like, I want to go to the gym once a week. Well, what holds you back specifically from doing that and sort of coming, doing that work to understand deeply what gets in the way of your goals is, is what the blocker concept is all about. Mm-hmm. What would you say about diagnosis? You know, I, I don't want to go to, I don't want to oversimplify. I don't want to make this simple, but I do want to attend to the fact that people are probably listening who are wondering if, if they're suffering from, from these types of, um, or from this, this kind of a specific diagnosis and gee, maybe I could be helped if, if I could actually break through and, and get it, you know, get to that next, that's next step. Is it, is it about visiting your GP? Is it, is it about doing research online? Where, where does one go? Mm-hmm. So there are some great sort of starting websites that you can kind of get some information. Obviously, our own website we think is great, springboardclinic.com. Sure. But there's there's some other really fun websites that one of my favorites is called totallyadd.com. And so it's with Rick Green, who who's an awesome comedian and he's hilarious and he has ADHD and has done an amazing job building a website that has a community and um it's totally add.com and i highly recommend it it'll help you sort of see if you identify with the stories of those that he shares there's also an excellent website that david suzuki or sorry documentary that david suzuki did last year called adhd not just for kids Mm. and it's online as well it's it's on the um cbc website and 
it's just an amazing documentary that kind of tells you what ADHD is and isn't and how it looks. Um, I think there are a lot of uh, adults that, you know, might have gone through the school system in a particular way and have kind of always known they had attention issues, but also don't really know what you can do about it as an adult. And so that's another part that's been illuminating for us is we, we open the clinic to see all ages, but we see like over 65%, maybe 70% adults rather than children. Um, and that, that there are very, there are many, many adults out there that kind of know that feeling. I've always struggled with that and just have really never known where to go. Definitely their GP is an option. Once you've kind of checked out a few stories and seen whether that resonates, um, most family doctors now are, are pretty good at screening and, and being able to, to, give you some preliminary thoughts. Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting. You know, I I commented about how you can be at a cocktail party or at somebody's house and, and it comes up. And ADHD almost has become a part of, of, of the culture to a degree to which I wonder if we're actually not doing it any favors. So I don't, let me tease this out a little bit. I'm sort of thinking this through as I ask you this question, as I make mm-hmm. this comment, but you know, somebody makes a comment about having trouble meeting a deadline, et cetera. Oh, you know what? That happens to me too from time. I mean, maybe you got a little ADHD, mm-hmm. right? It's almost, it's almost trite. It's almost like, it's mm-hmm. almost a joke. It's as if you're, you know, attending to the fact that, oh, gee, maybe that was a tad bit, un- a tiny bit uncomfortable there. So I'm going to throw out the ADHD card and then we can maybe move on. But the truth of the matter is maybe they do. And maybe they do need to look into that a little bit more. Anyway, I'm not sure where I'm going with that, but I, I think there's something to that notion. Uh, yeah, I think there's a couple of really important parts in that. I think one is that we should stop joking about it. Right. <laughs> it's not funny when you've met with people that have, you know, what I've seen hundreds of, of individuals with ADHD, it, it's not funny and it's it's real. It's the most studied psychiatric um, childhood disorder in the world. Uh, we understand it really well. We know what's happening in the brain. We also know how to treat it. So, th- so, th- so there's the part of no, not everybody has ADHD, and you know, starting to, to take it seriously for mm-hmm. those that that you know do have the level of attention issues that are impacting their lives. But also, it's treatable. So if you know you do think you have these kinds of issues, going to see your doctor and going through the process people do way, way better. And, and there are a lot of myths. So for example, people think that if you're successful, you can't have ADHD. Right, right. You know, and you, when you end up speaking with somebody who's successful, but they have ADHD, they'll tell you about some of the things that are not going so, so well. Um, you know, maybe it's their marriage or maybe they feel like they're doing great as a CEO of a company, but they're not present with their children or, you know, they're not able to get um, there's, they've got substance use issues or they're not able to get their handle on their fitness. So you'll see these other chronic health issues. And that's, that's where some of the stats are coming in that are concerning is when ADHD is not treated, um, higher levels of obesity, higher levels of yeah. substance use, and, and some of these other health factors. Is uh, Laura, you know, sadly, we're going to have to wrap it up shortly. I can't believe it, but it, it's true. <laughs> and again, once again, sort of barely scratching the surface here, which is why you've got to get out and get the workbook uh, and you can order it on uh, Amazon and we'll, we'll, we'll uh, provide a link for people to do that as well. But, but is, would you say that it, is, is ADHD sort of the, the, the starting 
diagnosis or is it the symptom of a greater problem or is it the the issue that leads to these other things so it's not all these other things it's really and this is why it's so fundamentally important to get that proper diagnosis yeah sometimes one of the ways that i say that is that the good news is that we know why so many things are being challenged for you it's one thing (laughs) the bad news is that thing is a big thing to treat. <laughs> so it's kind of where ADHD can can sort of put its tentacles out to bother a lot of your different parts of your life. But when you get ADHD well treated, pretty much all of your life gets better. <laughs> so it's that feeling where it's kind of like you can you can come to it from different pathways. So some probably the most common that we see in adulthood is they come with clinical depression or high levels of anxiety. So usually you've hit a big wall. Mm. Um, and you're, you know, you're no longer, you've, you've lost your, your partner or you've, you know, you're not, you've lost your job or, you know, something big has happened and the way that you used to sort of function isn't working anymore. And then the whole truth kind of comes out. So usually that's when we see someone and then we work backwards to finding the, the root. Is it, is it important to go to your GP first? Because I wonder, and no disrespect to GPs, but they, you know, they don't know everything and, and they're, they're, they're very busy and they don't have a ton of time. Um, I just wonder about misdiagnosis. Is, is it possible that this could get left or pushed to the wayside? Like I, my father, I don't know if he had this or not. I don't think he did, but my dad would have been of the, uh, he's not, he, he passed away about five years ago, but he, he would have been, ah, you know what, I'll, I'll live with it. You know, like that would have been his approach. Very stiff British upper lip kind of, um, mm-hmm. what, what, David, what are you talking about? ADHD? I've never heard of it. You know what I mean? <laughs> it, but if a doctor actually said, you know, Harold, boom, A, B, C, D, then, then he might've listened. So with that proper Mm. diagnosis, that becomes the catalyst for change or the stepping stone to, to, to making the next, you know, the makes the the next important decision. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the tricky parts about ADHD is that you have to see it or your partner or your parent, like someone very close has to identify it. Got it. First, because there's no blood test, right? You can't say like, oh, I did your blood test screening and turns out you have ADHD. We should check out what's going on. I mean, we might get there with brain scans, but that's another whole can right, of worms. Right, right. But I think that there has to be some level of either self-awareness or someone close to you that you're willing to listen to awareness <laughs> um, to start it out. But then I think I think it's hard to, to sort of speak for, for all GPs. I think there are many GPs that really understand ADHD and are passionate about what they can do to, to help with it. It's it's certainly growing in terms of awareness in the medical field. Um, but I think if, if you were to bring it up to your GP and you don't get the response that feels reflective and, um, you know, aware enough, then, then a second opinion would probably be something to consider. Yeah. That's probably not a bad place to go. Um, (laughs) second opinion. Yeah, for sure. Sometimes, sometimes I think though we, uh, well, I know I do, you know, you, you sort of acquiesce, right? Well, the doctor knows best, right? But, but in some cases, if it's, if it's a chronic thing, it's definitely worth, uh, worth reaching out to others. And this again is where the community around you becomes Mm -hmm. so important. It seems to me. Um, so somebody says, and we're going to wrap it up here in in just Mm -hmm. a minute or two, tell, tell me what the, the 112 page workbook really is going to do for me. That's a, that's a lot of material there, Laura. What, 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 Mm -hmm. what am I taking from like, do you you have that elevator speech? 
<laughs> I do. I mean, one of the, not to digress too much, but we did, we are building an online course that will oh, cool. roll out in the fall. Nice. It's going to be to help people get through the book. So I think the, the best part about the book, in my view, as a completely unbiased writer, That's right. is, is that it kind of has everything in there. Yes. The, the bad news is it has everything in there. So right. it's a lot to take in. So I think, you know, the journey of this book is to go through a process about yourself that will allow you to really deeply understand where your attention issues impact your life and where your identity can kind of get separated from the challenges that you experience. And then we'll really walk you through your history, your now across all your different health um, choices, and then work through what team do I want around me, what blockers get in my way, all the way to sort of getting to a place where you're making goals and moving forward. I think it is a book that can really transform your life if you put the energy into it. But if it feels like a lot, then join our course because we're going to help people yeah. go through it. Well, <laughs> you know, it seems to me to be the, and, and I think, you know, you, you, you are a coach, so you would understand this. I, I apprenticed as an electrician. The, the analogy breaks mm -hmm. down, believe me. But I had support for 8,500 hours. I was alongside of somebody else that was teaching me how to do things in a particular way who had 30 years' experience on me, et cetera. And I think the idea of having a mentor, a community, a coach alongside of you makes mm -hmm. so much sense, especially with, with something as important as this. Thanks for, for chatting today. What a, and again, congratulations on the book. It's May We Have Your Attention, Please. It's a Springboard Clinic workbook for living and thriving with adult ADHD. Um, Laura, uh, your, your website is springboardclinic.com. Correct. Yeah. Thank you. Lots of information there, folks. Check it out. Thanks a lot, Laura. I really appreciate your time today. And, and again, congratulations on a, an important and, and meaningful uh, read. Thank you very much. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.